0: Alright, well we are back in Proverbs, Proverbs three thirteen through 20, and given it's been a few weeks since we've really talked about, you know, wisdom, you know, wisdom from the book of Proverbs, I wanted to recap just a little bit. And so whenever we first broke down Proverbs, we, we talked about what is wisdom, and we, we talked about it in the way that Proverbs describes wisdom, you know, especially on the human side of the equation. You know, wisdom is this practical know-how. It's, it's, it's understanding how to be prudent, how to be shrewd, how to how to determine the right way. Uh, we also see Proverbs talk about wisdom being knowledge of the abstract, uh, especially when it comes to these deep theological concerns of life. You know, how do we understand this knowledge? And we also see Proverbs talk about wisdom as this ability to to see through things, to discern, to, and to make decisions, to make the right decisions in light of what we discern. But most importantly, we understand that any human wisdom we have is wisdom that has come from God. Wisdom itself existed in God before we get to experience it. So it all starts coming from the Lord. And so what we understand and I want to make sure we get clear in this lesson today, because it's going to be important as we go through it, is that wisdom itself is an attribute of God. Like sovereignty or love may be an attribute of God, wisdom in itself is in the essence of God. It's central to God's nature. Uh, it says, if we look at our passage that we have here today, if you've got your Bibles open, if you if you just kind of skip forward to Proverbs 3, verses nine, verse 19, you see this. It says, The Lord by wisdom... The earth by understanding, he established the heavens. Uh, if we go to Proverbs eight twenty one, if you want to flip there for just a second, I want to read this to you. Proverbs eight twenty one, or I'm sorry, eight twenty two to thirty one says this. It says, "The Lord possessed me," and this is wisdom talking. Wisdom's being personified here, and it says, "The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work." that wisdom was there. Wisdom is reflected in the creation, right? It's embedded in God's creation. It was there for the beginning. It was there in the creation itself. And then if we go into Psalm 104 24, you'll also see that wisdom was embedded in God's creation of mankind. And so what we, what I want to make sure we understand is that if wisdom is central to the nature of God, and that if he imparted that wisdom into his creation and he imparted that wisdom into mankind, then we need, to, we need to really understand wisdom a bit more deeply as something that we can engage in across all the created order of God. From his creation, from, from the chaos, he has brought forth order. And within that order is wisdom that exists in the creation, in us, and in God. I know it's a bit of an abstract thought, but I want you to see how a common element permeates everything that we really get to experience of God. If we think about it this way, if we think about how God utilizes wisdom as his attribute in his creation, the wisdom of God is creative. Uh, The wisdom of God is creative, it's purposeful, it's good, and it's very, very specific, Uh, one thing I notice as I I read through the Bible, uh, God seems to care about the details. And so I know that's a bit of an abstract thought. And so I wanted to make it more real. So I brought my seven iron with me. And so I asked you guys, if you could, to think back to a frustrating, I think, did I say frustrating experience on the golf course? Is that what I said? Because no one has good experiences on the golf, or most, mostly, there's a lot more frustrating experiences on the golf course. Speaking of which, Klossner, Josh Klausner tells me about this experience he had on the golf course last night, which was unparalleled to anything I've ever heard before. He had a skunk chase him, not on one hole, but on three holes or four holes. And then he got frustrated that this skunk kept following them onto the, golf, onto the greens. And instead of, you know, doing what I think I would do and just getting out of the skunk's way, he decides to throw a seven iron, I believe, a seven iron at the skunk. Now the skunk, like most of God's created order, would, would sense the threat and run away. What did this skunk do? He chased Josh. So So, uh, so this is just one of those we all have frustrating moments on the golf course. But here's what I want to do. I want to try to explain this principle of God and his wisdom. I want to get it down to something a bit more concrete. I want to just talk about it in relation to the game of golf. And so if you think about all of God's creation, us, the world, et cetera, as as one golf course, one golf game, you can think about it this way. God, in his wisdom, designed the game of golf, right? In his wisdom, he designed the game. In his wisdom, he designed the course that we play on. In his wisdom, he designed the equipment that should be used to play the game on the course he designed. And then, not even that, he designed the player that would be the best suited to use the equipment that he has designed for the course in the game that he loves. And then, not only that, he has given us all the instructions on how to actually swing the club and use the equipment in the game he designed with the players he designed and the course that he's designed, right? So if you, if you get it down to this concrete detail, the wisdom that we start to understand here in this class as we study Proverbs is almost as simple as how to swing the golf club, right? How to swing the golf club in this greater scheme of this game that has been created for our benefit of, 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 of this course that has been beautifully designed for what we are being told to do right all of these things come together but we're given some very specific instructions if i were to ask somebody around here is there anyone who's actually a decent golfer in here anyone who can pretend to be a decent golfer you guys back there if i were to if i were to have you come up here and tell me how to swing this golf club right if, if, just, just real quick. If you say, "How do you swing?" The, if, if the first thing I, I I had to learn about swinging a golf club was the first thing you told me, you'd probably say, "Start with your hands." Right? You got to know how to actually hold this club, and you don't hold it like a baseball bat, which is what I would naturally do. Now you do this really weird thing where you put this hand right here, and then your <laughs> your other your pinky interlocks, and then your thumb has to go over a certain way. Right? There's 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 an art to this. Right, and then. You know, you would naturally think, oh, if I'm going to play this game, the objective is to get the ball to go really, really far on my first hit. Well, let me swing as fast as I possibly can, right? Well, no, that's not how you would teach me how to swing a golf club. So, so there's, there's an art to this. There's instruction that's given to us by someone who actually knows how to play the game that's actually maybe not as logical as we think it is. But if you get it down to this, this small microcosm example, I just want you to see how it was it's all, that wisdom is imparted through all of it. So with that in mind, I want you to, I want to read the text that we're going to study today. So if we go back to chapter 3, verse 13 through 20, it starts with this, and it starts with a series of promises. It says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. So blessed, if you think about blessed, think about uh, one who can be considered fortunate, right? Uh, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, who gets understanding, who obtains it in some way. We, We then have, we go to verse 14, it says, For the gain from her, her being wisdom, is better than the gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are are called blessed. The Lord, by his wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the the deep broke open, and the clouds dropped down from the dew. So, If you look there from verses 13 to 18, I actually counted seven promises, right? Seven promises that I see that all start with blessed is the one who finds wisdom, who gets understanding. So you see that right there. The very first promise there in verse 13, verse 14, you see gain is better than silver. The profit's better than gold. Verse 15, nothing you desire can compare. Verse 16, life is in her right hand. Another in verse 16, riches and honor in her left hand. Verse 17, her way is pleasantness and peace. Verse 18, she gives life. Think about it as flourishing to those who hold her fast, right? And what I notice about these promises as I went through is one, they're fairly bold. I mean, those are some fairly bold promises, but But the promises aren't the type of promises you might expect to hear, right? The the promises are not these promises that say that you're going to be wealthy and powerful, that uh, these promises are not that you're going to gain these things of the world that the world considers good. The promises are fairly unique. The promises say this, something as bold as, nothing you can desire can compare to her. Nothing you can desire can compare to her. You know, instead of the promises of you being fulfilled through your possessions, it says you're going to find pleasantness and peace. She gives life, right? You flourish. If you think about this, God is kind of saying, if you obtain the wisdom, if you, if you soak in the wisdom that I'm explaining to you, the wisdom that I've used, the, the, the rule book I've used to create the entire order of this universe, if you do it, you're going to get something greater than you could ever desire, greater than you could ever imagine. Not You don't necessarily want this wealth. I'm going to give you peace and pleasantness. Right, Doing it God's way, in short, you can think about it this way. Doing it God's way is better than our way. Absolutely better than our way. The outcome is sweeter. Uh, the desires we have change. His way is better. And he's going to help us understand that as we accept and follow his wisdom. So, if you want to go back to our golf illustration here for a second, if you seek wisdom, the way that I feel like God is trying to explain this to us, you're going to start to see the course, the game, the player, uh, the equipment, the way you swing, all interconnected. Uh, and, and as we seek him, as we, as we go to him, we're going to accept his, his instructions, uh, we're going we're gonna to find that as we accept his instructions, we're going to consider it a lot more enjoyable, a lot more enjoyable to out, be out on the golf course, right? Whenever I accept the fact that whoever has designed this game and designed this course wants me to actually play a successful part in this game, and he tells me the way to do it is to start with this really weird thing you do with your hands, right? And then keep your head down. And, and then whenever you go back, Go back slowly. Whenever you fall through, your back shouldn't be hurt, right? You know, when, you know he, he's given me these instructions. And he says, and when you do it, it's going to be really sweet. It's going to be really sweet. It's going to be so much better than what you, you can imagine. When you went out on this golf course, you thought you're going to get to have a good time with your friends. And, and you thought that you were going to get away from your wife for a while. You know, that's what you were desiring. But if you do it my way, you're going to enjoy the beauty of the trees, you're going you're going to get to experience what it feels like to swing smoothly through that swing. You know, you're going to get to you're going to get to have conversation that's different because you're not going to be cussing every time you hit the ball, all right? You you're, you're going to have something that is much different. You just have to trust me and know that what I'm telling you is the best for you. I've written the game. I've written the rule book. I designed this for you. So so as we think about this, what does this actually mean for us? Because what I see is I is I continue to research through Proverbs and I read about what we're going to be talking about as we keep coming up. We're going to be given a lot of very practical instruction in Proverbs. Right? We're going to be given, I mean, just very, very specific instructions. And, and I want us to think about it almost like God telling us how to swing this club. Right? How to play the game. Right? And we have to trust uh, that what he is telling us to do is the best thing for us. And, and one thing you'll notice is you know, as we swing these clubs, as we get the instruction about how to play golf, you know, we do get very specific instructions. And, and I want us to realize that we worship and we serve a very detailed God, a very specific God. I think as you read through Proverbs, you're going to find some very specific commands and guidance that that almost looks like, man, that that seems to be going pretty deep. Uh, But we worship a very specific God. If you go back into the Old Testament and you read about the detailed construction plans that he had for the Ark of the Covenant, that he had for the tabernacle, that he had for the temple, I mean, you can get lost in all the details down to the cubit, right? You can get lost in that. You know, if you, if you flip to the New Testament and you look at the teachings of Christ, you're going to find he's a very specific guy. He doesn't, he doesn't really mess with a lot of generalities. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Right? He is very, very specific. Uh, God tells us in his word how to worship him. Right? He tells us how. He tells us how to serve him. He tells us how to forgive. He tells us how to love. He gives us that specific instruction. And we ought to listen to it just like we listen to the golf pro who tells us exactly how to swing this club. And as we do soak in that wisdom, it is better than anything that we can imagine. What I want to be careful of is that as we come to church and we come to classes like this and we engage, especially in Western version of Christianity, we tend to get in the habit of picking and choosing what commands of God, what pieces of his wisdom we actually want to listen to and what we want to follow. You know, we, we uh, tend to think about, you know, well, that seems like a good idea, but surely, you know, that's not that big of a deal. But think about that logic, if you use that same logic back to our golf illustration. If somebody's giving you the complete instructions on how to swing this club and you decide to pick and choose which instructions you're going to follow, what's going to happen? Right? If I say, hey, I've got this whole uh, golf swing down, but I'm not going to do that weird thing with your hands, you know, what's going to happen? You're not going to roll over the club properly. right? If I, if I go, you know, that, that keeping your head down thing, that's only for losers, right? That's only for people who aren't very good. I'm going to look where the ball is going to go whenever I'm chipping on the green. That, then you're going to miss a club or top it, you know, and it's going to go a different way. You know, if, if I sit there and I do the, the cardinal sin and I say that, that swinging slow and steady thing, that's that's for the people who aren't, you know, gifted athletically, um, what's going to happen? You know, if you just choose to not follow one of the perfect instructions of how to swing a golf, a golf club, you're going to have a bad result. All of the instructions of God build upon each other. If you choose not to follow one, you are not being fully obedient to God's command. And there are consequences to that. If if you follow all of God's command, but you say, hey, there's a lot in the Bible about not going into debt. I mean, there's a lot there about not going into debt, right? There's a lot there. If I say, yeah, that was written in a different time, though. And that's not exactly how the American economy works. And, and, and so I'm just going to ignore that. Well, as I ignore that... Well, then all of a sudden, I'm actually captive to something different than what God was commanding. You know, I'm captive to it. And then all, all of a sudden, all that, that peace that I'm supposed to have, I, I have this anxiety now about this debt burden that, that is out there. Uh, and, and then when God asks me to go do something that requires me to take a pay cut, I actually can't do it because I've got all this debt sitting there. So obedience becomes a harder thing. And then I don't get to experience the joy that comes from those obedience. Right. Or if I just said that, it's like, look, I'm doing everything, but I'm I'm not going to do that whole forgiving my enemy thing because you have no idea what that guy did to me. Right. Think about the consequences of just disregarding one piece of the wisdom of God. God has told us, he goes, I've built the course. I designed the game. I gave you the equipment to use and I gave you every piece of instruction of how to play the game. But follow me completely. Why are you not surrendering to everything I'm telling you to do? Trust me, because those promises that we talked about in this, in this uh, section of text, all those promises, those seven promises, they're real. Right? We, we've talked about this a lot in this class. We worship a God who keeps his promises. Those are real promises. But we have to trust that he's telling us the right way to swing the club. So as I do, as I think about this, uh, where I wanted to end the lesson today was I really want us to really think through, spend some time either talking about your tables or or online or if you you need to drop off, talk to your wife or, or someone you trust, but I just started thinking what is it that keeps me from just surrendering to all of God's commands? Right, just surrendering because we all have that one or t- that 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 thing that we hold on to that we think we're actually more wise. Right, there, there's something there that that we say. Well, now I I'm going to do those things, but I've got to keep this thing for myself because it just doesn't make sense to me to give that up to. And and just to help with conversation, for me, the reason I struggle with just trusting him and, and doing everything he tells me to do, the, the reason I struggle with just swinging the golf club, the way he tells me to swing it, so to speak, is because of my pride, right? Because of my pride. I, there is, giving up everything, thinking that I don't have it all figured out, kills me at times right that i'm not the smartest guy in the room that 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 there's a way to do things different than how i might think i ought to do things it kills me at times right and i just i struggle giving it up just like Whenever I do have one of those perfect golf swings, which doesn't happen very often, I play golf twice a year, and they're both in charitable golf scrambles, right? So, so it takes me to about the sixth hole to get any good swing in, as as Josh and Gene can attest. Uh, but but when I do, every now and then, I get that perfect golf swing, right? You know, you know that feeling you get when you get that perfect swing? You know, the ball comes off soft. It goes exactly where you wanted it to go. It feels good. You don't grimace with the back pain. You know all that that, that perfect swing, and, and I got that perfect swing by doing everything completely contrary to the way I wanted to swing the club, right? I surrendered to somebody else's wisdom, mostly my dad who taught me how to play golf, right? I surrendered to the wisdom of my dad who surrendered to somebody else's wisdom before him of how to swing that golf club. I did everything different than what I wanted to do. I swung slow instead of fast. So when I hit that perfect, sw- that perfect ball, and then Maybe maybe the next hole, I do it for a second time right in a row. Then I get cocky, right? I, I get really, really cocky, and my pride starts to take over. And what goes through my head is, man, if that ball went that far by swinging slow, imagine what would happen if I speed up this swing just a little bit. And in my own wisdom, in my own power, I'm going to hit the ball f- farther. I'm going to hit it straighter. I'm going to be better. S- beat up the swing, and then I slice it into the woods and hit a car. So what I want to say is we all have those temptations, right? There's something that keeps us from surrendering. For me, it's my pride, right? But you all have that. God's going to give us so much great instruction as we go through this book of Proverbs about how to swing the club, how to play the game for our benefit. I want us to try to identify today what is it that's going to keep us from listening. What is it that's going to keep us from actually doing it, right? Figure that out. Let's pray about it. Let's hold each other accountable for it. Because it'd be nice if we could all just learn how to swing this darn club, just like he tells us how to do it. And for reference, if I've lost you guys in these illustrations a little bit, we're talking about obedience to God, not golf, right? But we've got to figure that out. What's going to keep us from applying the wisdom of God, the wisdom that was there before us, the wisdom of his created order, that wisdom that is embedded in us, we want to seek and be obedient to God, what's going to hold us back? Let me pray for you. You guys feel free to talk about it in your groups. Feel free to stay on on Zoom for a little bit if anybody wants to talk, and uh, we'll get out of here before everybody gets a little too hot. Father, I I thank you for these men. I, I thank you again for this class, for our church, uh, I thank you for all the guys and, 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 and girls who have come before us, who have poured into everyone who's here today, everyone who's listening today. Um, we just want to trust you. We know that you're our great and loving Father. You promise us things that we cannot attain on our own. We, On our own, we want to chase after the things of this world. That's what we want. That's what we desire. But you've, you've got a better way. You've shown us a better way. And as we keep trusting in you, we experience it. We experience that your promises are true. We can be in the middle of absolute pain and suffering and experience your goodness. That doesn't exist in the world. We want to trust you. May you help each of us know what it is that's holding us back. May you give us the strength to overcome. May you overcome it. May we surrender to you. That's what you ask. That's what you tell us is best. May we find the ways to help each other as your body surrender to you. As you watch over these men this week, keep them safe. Keep their families safe. May we all come back safely again next week. In Jesus' name, amen.